Hey, what's up everyone? So welcome back to Collapse Talk and glad you could join me. This is uh, episode 39, I believe. Yeah, so we're just going to continue with our regular program, but thanks for tuning in. And as I'm sure you know, uh, considering recent events, uh, a lot has happened, you know, just with the news, you know, things are uh, moving pretty fast. But yeah, you know, that's just where we're at right now. Uh, and also, you know, school is starting up, so we all have interesting life events happening. So, yeah, I might as well, you know, start recording. This is like the first week of classes for me and I'm doing some online stuff. So I'm going to have to, you know, split my time. And then also with this job that I'm still trying to get, you know, onboarded onto because it's always like the, uh, the onboarding phase that's, for whatever reason, just takes forever <laughs> and I'm probably not going to like this job once I even start so yeah I just I just have to work and get paid right now because I'm just uh, hanging in there really <laughs> but yeah um, with this show and the podcast and also balancing with work and school and just uh, doing what I can and also uh, wanting to dive into other content uh, of course all I can really do at the moment is the podcast, and uh, also uh, since I like to, you know, play games, I'm a bit of a gamer. Also, I'm going to try to expand on that area. It's just content, really. I mean, you know, I just I want to have fun. You know, that's really it. So um, I'm like starting uh, New Vegas because I've never actually finished New Vegas. So everybody talks about it, and I'm like, I gotta finish this game. So I'm gonna record myself playing that. So definitely check that out on the YouTube. Um, but yeah, so. Regardless, you know, uh, I want to say at least uh, this is going to be an interesting episode covering a lot of stuff domestically, internationally, and uh, with just also natural events. But uh, I want to touch up at least on a new announcement from President Biden. Uh, his uh, you know, administration is moving to forgive up to $10,000 in student loans for those earning below uh, $125,000. And... Also, they're also moving uh, to expand on that, so they're going to forgive up to twenty thousand for Pell Grant recipients. So it's like, you know, they do something, they give us like a, a freebie, but it's like literal crumbs. It's like ten thousand dollars is nothing. That's like some people are like a hundred thousand dollars in debt. So it's like thanks, I guess. And then also the interest, because that's where people get killed. So it's like it's not enough, and like. They, you know, they're also talking about right now like uh, PPP loans and the forgiveness for that. And that's like, it's like hundreds of billions of dollars. Meanwhile, like student loan forgiveness is like, uh, it's like not even half of that. So, and they're also, they also extended the uh, uh, deadline for uh, student loan payments, which is coincidentally after the midterms. And, you know, also we have memorandums on like rent and such. So, you know, again, like, uh yeah this is uh it's like they, they they're just pushing the goalpost they're just like oh, we can't it, it's yeah they, they have to keep pushing it back because once thing business goes back to normal and people have to start paying their loans back like it's really gonna fuck them up and, and you know it's like that you know we have up they, they say like 1.7 trillion dollars of student loan forgiveness so it's like first off like what do these borrowers contribute to the economy like i'm just curious like 
What are these student loan borrowers, these debt collectors, what do they contribute to the economy? They're literally like leeching off of people's payrolls. So that's $1.7 trillion. So that was forgiven. That's $1.7 trillion that consumers can like, you know, save up, you know, buy, buy new cars, buy new homes, uh, can put back into the economy, you know, spend and consume because that's really what we need people doing right now. They're, you know, they're complaining about uh, the supply chain issues that there's a backup because people aren't spending, you know, like there's like all these places now like uh, making sales just to get the supply out. But like, yeah, it's like, you know, yeah, this, this, because a lot of people, they just talk about how entitled it is. Oh, you just want your debt forgiven. It's like, bro, I shouldn't be in debt for this. That is the fundamental issue here. You think it's acceptable that people are drowning in debt like this. It's, it shouldn't, like for student debt, for medical debt, like it shouldn't exist. But of course, like there's a conversation of entitlement. Oh, look at you wanting to not, you know, drown in debt, you know, wanting some economic mobility. Look at you, you, you freeloader, whatever. So that's happening there. Of course, it's like, it's really nothing. It's just like a little like, okay, like we'll just put a bandaid and it's like a festering like, gangrenous wound it's like bro we just got to amputate this shit like it's like it's gonna kill us like if we don't like yeah so (laughs) yeah so anyway um so that's what's happening in that respect um with student debt you know forgiveness uh but we have other matters to consider um a big development that occurred uh, politically uh that that involves donald trump is the raid this uh search warrant by the fbi at mar-a-lago and it's like again like all of this is so funny to me because it's just like man like this is theater this is just like what is happening and of course like the republicans are just like pulling their hair out they're like oh this is like they're like there's like real threats of violence like uh some idiot like shot up a with a nail gun shot up an fbi office and got himself killed and like there's like protests and like actual threats of violence against the fbi and it's like dude like for starters, like, because, you know, I know I talk about civil war and of course, and I'll, and I'll, there's like a dedicated article on that, but it's like, it, like the people who are really vocal about it, it's all these like, you know, uh, redneck, like, you know, you know, triple bypass, like surgery, like, uh, patients, like, just like, I'll tell you what, brother, just like spitting in the cup, you know, from the chew, I'll tell you what, brother, you want a war? I'll give it to you. There's nothing better than dying for a country. Like, oh my God, this is so, like, you know, I was thinking for a minute. I'm like, you know, like, there's no glory or epicness with war. War is stupid. Like, it's, it's stupid. Like, just complete waste of life and human, you know, decency. But, like, in typical American fashion, a second civil war will be, like the stupidest conflict ever like it would just be the dumbest thing ever of course like millions of people are going to die from it but still it's like holy shit like this is so stupid you guys are really going to start a war for donald trump really i mean i'm like at this point i'm just like okay like it's your shot like go You think, oh yeah, the military, yeah, oh yeah, the the, the cops and the military, they'll they'll they got my back. We're the silent majority. Like, oh really? You, you that's what you think? Okay, <laughs> it's just like, oh my god. 
they're yeah they're they're gonna ruin everything for donald trump just like all this peace and prosperity even if it's an illusion at the very least it's not like you know like syria but they want to that that's what that's what you want okay <laughs> man wow man yeah but that's what's happening they they raided mar-a-lago and they you know donald trump he's so funny this is so childish he's just like he so what they're saying is that he um he took some documents that it wasn't supposed to and there were of course um people who like had a whole you know uh i guess manifest or you know a list of what documents need to be uh, secured and they're like yeah we're missing these documents uh could you please surrender them like there's like you know they had a subpoena some months back and then he had investigators come through and still like they were missing stuff so it's just all like theater this is like straight from the sopranos it's just like oh yeah no yeah come on and then like okay well i'm just gonna read from cnbc uh you know what their findings are um and, and just you know development so you know trump he's suing uh to block the doj from reviewing materials and they, he wants to appoint a watchdog uh so yeah and i even heard that he's like representing himself because like he can't really like find anybody to represent him and uh continuing here uh so former president donald trump in a new lawsuit monday asked a federal judge to appoint a special watchdog to review documents seized from his florida home as part of a criminal investigation of the removal of the white house records when he left office in january 2021 trump's lawsuit which suggests the august 8th fbi raid was politically motivated also asked that the Department of Justice be blocked from, quote, further review of seized materials from his Mar-a-Lago residence until a special master is appointed. And the special masters are appointed in criminal cases where there is concern that some materials seized by authorities should not be viewed by investigators because it is protected by attorney-client privilege or other factors that weigh against it being used in prosecution. So, yeah, this is basically just a... like yeah just like a third party uh, to mediate so yeah so he's he accuses the federal government that uh, donald trump he accuses the federal government of violating his fourth amendment rights against unreasonable search and seizures with the raid which is to be, which is believed to be the first time the home of a former president was searched in connection with a criminal case in addition to seeking a special master the suit asked that the DOJ be required to provide him with a more detailed inventory of property seized at the Palm Beach Resort and a request that the government return any seized items that was not within the scope of the search warrant authorizing the raid. Uh, and this is Donald Trump. This Mar-a-Lago break-in search and seizure was illegal and unconstitutional. Okay, believe me. <laughs> Trump said in a written statement released after the complaint was filed and continuing, we're taking all actions necessary to get the documents back, which we would have given to them without the necessity of the despicable raid of my home so that I can give to them the National Archives until they are required for the future Donald J. Trump Presidential Library and Museum. Oh, it's going to be so beautiful, folks. <laughs> Oh my God, I can't believe he's actually going to have a museum and a library. Like, this country isn't a real country. Like, <laughs> this is just like, this is not a real place. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, DOJ spokesman Anthony Coley 
in a statement on Trump's actions said uh, the August 8th search warrant at Mar-a-Lago was authorized by federal court upon the required finding of probable cause. The department is aware of this evening's motion. The United States will file its response in the court. So, right. So it's just him, you know, screaming and, uh, you know, of course his fan base, they're all like, they see this as an attack. Like fucking Steven Crowder is like, T- stay tuned folks, tomorrow we're going to war. And then he's just like a t-shirt thing. Like, it, like it's all, it's all marketing. It's all a business and a fucking scam. And, the, and like, you know, and I see still Trump flags in, in like little, cause I live in Huntsville, which is a small town. So there's a, there's some real country bumpkin folks out here and like still they got trump flags it's like this is not here's the thing though about these MAGA people okay because it's not even like trump okay because it's like it's the idea and the aesthetic you know i talked about uh radicalism and uh how a lot of it isn't necessarily ideologically motivated a lot of it is aesthetic motivated so it's the aesthetic. It's the America rah rah aesthetic, and you know, of course, there are ideological uh, roots in white supremacy and nationalism. But again, a lot of these Trump supporters they're too stupid to even like say like, ah, yes, I'm a white nationalist ethno, because it's like, <laughs> yeah. So these people they still have Trump shit, flying Trump shit. You know, fuck, fuck Biden, fuck, fuck Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> Like I like not too far from where I'm at. There's like a literal like um, a house that has like a Texit. Like that's what they're calling now, Texas Secession Texit. And uh, yeah, they, like they have that shit out still, and it's just like, oh my god, like they're they're just like, it's attention seeking behavior. That's what it is, okay? Because they talk about making violence, and you know, of course, we don't want to like, it, it, it's like. They're, they're serious about it, but only if, like, the economy goes to shit and then, like, there's nothing left. Like, because these guys, they, they, they almost fucking burned the country down because they couldn't go to Arby's, okay? So, it's like, yeah, <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm just saying, like, this uh, FBI raid has stirred up a lot of uh, heat and a lot of aggression and anger. And it's just, like, th- this idea that they have to jump in to protect they have to jump in to protect Trump. It's just like, what the fuck? It's just like, my goodness. So, right. Um, okay, so continuing. So, on June 3rd, top DOJ counterintelligence officials Jay Bratt came to Mar-a-Lago with three other agents, and Trump greeted them in the dining room, the suit said. The Trump then left the agents with Trump's record keeper and counsel, adding, whatever you need, just let us know, according to the complaint. <laughs> Once back in the dining room, one of the FBI agents said, Thank you. Uh, you did not need to show us the storage room, but we appreciate it. Now it all makes sense, according to the suit. Counsel for President Trump then closed the interaction and advised the government officials that they should contact him with any further needs on the matter. In the storage room, there were boxes mainly containing uh, clothing and personal items of Donald Trump and the First Lady, the lawsuit said. And on June 8th, Bratt asked Trump's counsel to secure that storage room, and Trump accordingly directed his staff to place a second lock on the door, according to the complaint. In a phone call three days after the raid, the suit said Trump's counsel delivered a message to Bratt. And so this is like, this is a bit of a veiled threat, actually, from, from them. So President Trump 
wants the Attorney General to know that he has been hearing from people all over the country about the raid. If there was one word to describe their mood, it's angry. The heat is building up. The pressure is building up. Whatever I can do to take the heat down, to bring the pressure down, just let me know. So it's just like, hey, you know, like, you know, things are getting a little bit hot. You know, I got nothing to do with it. So let me know what I could do. And then at the same time, he's tweeting out like, this is despicable. And this is an attack. The the leftist FBI, they're targeting me. And what about Hillary Clinton in the emails? Like they're still going on that. It's just like, wow. You know what? And it's just like, even if that was like, like, yeah, okay. Investigate the Clintons. Who cares? Like, I don't care. Of course, Democrats, they're going to protect them. But it's just like, you know, when they talk about like a political attack, it's like, you're technically correct you know they are being preferential here but at the same time it's just like but you know you still need to be investigated because like they're they're saying he took nuclear secrets it's like bro like how the fuck do you think oh yeah i can just just take it's like oh i I forgot my homework like (laughs) and some folks are arguing like oh well you know the president he just has to think he just has to decide that it's declassified and not have to really notify anybody. So it's just like, they will let him get away with anything. It's so it's so crazy. Like, like imagine if there was like a schoolyard bully, but then like, there were like, the, and it's not even the parents. It's like, the other kid's parents has been like, no, 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 no. He's, he's a good kid. And the kids are like, bro, this kid is like stealing my lunch money. Like, no, no, no. He's a good kid. It's like, what the? F- oh, my God. <laughs> it's just so funny. Oh, man. Uh, right. So, again, you know, reading some other stuff. And this is um, continuing from CNBC talking about this. No political motivation behind the raid. Um, right. Uh, reading. Uh from reading a quote from representative liz cheney she told abc news that there was no political motivation in carrying out the fbi search of former president donald trump's resort in palm beach florida quote i've seen no evidence that there was any political motivation cheney told abc news when asked about the mar-a-lago raid carried out by fbi agents Quote, I was ashamed to hear Republicans immediately and reflexively attack the FBI agents who executed the search warrant. I was disgusted when I learned that President Trump had released the names of the agent when he released the unredacted search warrant. And that has now caused violence, Cheney said in the interview, which aired on Sunday. Uh, She continued, this is a really dangerous moment on the heels of a congressional primary loss. Uh, Cheney also said that she will work with bipartisan political leaders to ensure Trump never holds the nation's highest office again. Quote, I think we have to make sure that he is not our nominee, Cheney told ABC News. So they're kind of like grooming her to be like, oh, you see, I'm a rational uh, bipartisan Republican. <laughs> again, like they're, you know, the Republicans are having a bit of a... Uh, power struggle with like the tea party radicals and the more uh dignified oh yes we are more dignified but like they believe in the same things they want the same things it's just like the radical republicans are more rabid and upfront. meanwhile yeah yeah the more elegant types are just like well you see because i'm a more dignified man but yeah it's just like it's more subtle but they want the same stuff <laughs> Right. Uh, Cheney warned that Trump's characterization of U.S. elections as rigged is dangerous and disrupts the fundamental function and principle at the center of our constitutional republic. 
So uh, there's just simply no way that the nation, in my view, ex can excuse that and put him in a position of power again, Cheney said, reference referencing Trump's 2020 election loss and then the storming of the U.S. Capitol on January 6, which he was, um, you know, the chairman or chairperson of the uh, January 6 committee. And again, that wasn't like a criminal prosecution. So like they did, like they revealed all this evidence and then they couldn't really do anything with that. Like, yeah. So like they basically confirmed that like he wanted to kill uh, he, he wanted to kill Mike Pence and even Mike Pence defended Trump uh, with this FBI raid. It's like this is so crazy, man. Wow. But yeah, that's just, uh, you know, what it is for now. And. Of course, they're going to have to, you know, prosecute him. You know, it's going to be a whole court thing. Like, yeah, and who knows what could happen? Because like they're making some very serious accusations and very serious claims about the content that was taken. Again, they were referencing to like nuclear secrets. Like, dude, it's just this is ridiculous, man. So, continuing from that FBI raid, um, you know, as I've been commenting about a continued rise in um, tensions, political tensions of, say, violence and talk of civil war. You know, really, uh, of course, for a lot of people, it's not like something that they actually think is a serious thing. And, you know, our idea of civil war is still pretty antiquated, you know, from the civil war era. So it's not going to be like the country just literally splitting in half and then gray versus blue sort of thing. Rather, it's going to be more decentralized. You know, we look at modern insurgencies this day, uh, today, and it's usually divided, uh, you know, among ethnic, religious lines, or political lines. Usually, just comprising of small bands of like guerrillas or uh, rogue police, rogue military units, and, and the such. So, again, you know. I'm reading from the Guardian, and they're uh, just you know commenting on uh, you know in the wake of this Mar-a-Lago FBI raid, uh, increased calls of threats of violence, and uh, also just looking at like uh, this uh, acceptance of political violence from the right Republicans, but also just like a breakdown of our institutions. So uh, right from the Guardian, so they're talking with this uh, expert, uh, Dr. Winmoot. Wintemut, I hope I'm saying that right. Dr. Wintemut used to laugh off warnings of a civil war coming to America as crazy talk. Then the emergency room doctor in California saw the figures for gun sales. Wintemut, who founded a center to research firearm violence after years of treating gunshot wounds, had long observed that the rush to buy weapons came in waves, often around the presidential election. Always it fell back again. Quote, then in January of 2020, gun sales took off. Just an unprecedented surge in purchasing, and that surge continued, he said. We were aware that, contrary to prior surges, this one wasn't ending. People are still buying guns like crazy. Many were buying a weapon for the first time, and I even bought weapons uh, during that time as well. So, right. Uh, Wintemut wanted answers and they stunned him. A survey for his California Firearm Violence Research Center released last month showed that half of Americans expect a civil war in the United States in the next few years. One in five thought political violence was justified in, in some circumstances. 
In addition, while almost everyone said it was important for the U.S. to remain a democracy, about 40% said that having a strong leader was more important. Coupled with prior research, these findings suggest a continuing alienation from and mistrust of American democratic society and its institutions. Substantial minorities of the population endorse violence, including lethal violence, to obtain political objectives, the report concluded. Suddenly, Wintemute didn't think talk of a violent civil conflict was so crazy anymore. The doctor is quick to note that large numbers of those people suspecting a civil war say it is only somewhat likely but half of the population, even considering such a possibility, reflects the failing confidence of large numbers of Americans in a system of government under assault by Donald Trump and a good part of the Republican Party. The FBI search of Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence earlier this month for classified documents removed from the White House unleashed the latest barrage of violent, uh, threats of violence, this time directed at an institution widely regarded as a bastion of establishment conservatism. So it's pretty funny. They're, they're calling the FBI leftists and they're democratic. Meanwhile, not too long ago, like they were like, oh, we love the, the FBI. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, oh, yeah, Hillary, you know, whenever they raided for the, the emails, oh, yes, oh, like, oh great. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know, you see like people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, like calling to defund the FBI. And there are some leftists that are like, oh, well, I mean, who am I to stop her? But it's like, bro, they're going to put something worse there. So. Yeah. The Florida Senator, Rick Scott, likened the FBI to the Gestapo. In Ohio, the police killed an armed U.S. Navy veteran who attacked an FBI office. In Pennsylvania, a man with a history of vaccine denial was charged with threatening to slaughter federal agents he described as police state scum and compared them to the Nazi SS and the Soviet secret police. In the days after the search of Mar-a-Lago, the FBI and Department of Homeland Security warned of a surge of threats of violence against federal agents, their families, and the judge who issued the search warrant. The FBI said these included calls for civil war and armed rebellion. Like, it's so stupid that they're like, they're willing, like, really? You're going to start a war for Trump? Really? <laughs> Man, this is, it, like, again, this is so dumb. This is so fucking dumb. But again, like, there, there's, like, real threats of, like, violence. Like, really? And, like, just complete breakdown of like the rule of law it's just like what the fuck man okay uh that comes on top of a wave of threats against election workers since trump alleged he was robbed of a victory by fraud in 2020 and a sharp increase in intimidation of others in public service from school board members to librarians as well as elected politicians Wintermoot said that the surge in violent threats is made more potent by rising weapon sales and what happens when you take a society that is increasingly fearful for its future, increasingly polarized, increasingly angry at itself, and throw a bunch of guns into the mix, he said. So, yeah, this is a... It's a powder keg. This is the way it's always been. And I know they say, you know, because a lot of folks, they don't want more guns, and so they want folks to de-escalate, but it's like, we're up against, like like really homicidal and violent people like really and you want me to be unarmed especially considering uh you know how uh politicized our police is and our military so let me see here so right uh right so trump's embrace of white nationalist groups such as the proud boys and oath keepers also brought armed militias into mainstream politics helping them to infiltrate local police forces and the military 
In December, three retired U.S. generals said that Trumpism has infected parts of the armed forces and noted the disturbing number of veterans and active duty members of the military who took part in the attack of the Capitol. They warned of the potential for lethal chaos inside our military if the result of the 2024 presidential election is disputed. Quote, the potential for a total breakdown of the chain of command along partisan lines from the top of the chain to squad level is significant should another insurrection occur. The idea of rogue units organizing among themselves to support the rightful commander-in-chief cannot be dismissed, they wrote. So, like, this is serious, man. People are sleeping on this shit, man. This is a coup. They're planning this. They've already, they already did the rehearsal. Like, like, dude, like, this is not a joke. This is a red flag warning, for real. Right, continuing, it really does feel uh, a pivotal moment in American democracy, says Mason. Quote, we're probably going to see more violence. I don't think we'll see less in the immediate future, but ultimately the way Americans respond to violence will determine whether it can be calmed down or whether it spirals out of control. Kleinfeld said she's not optimistic. We're going to a point where if the Trumpist faction wins, I think we'll see sustained extremely high levels of violence for the foreseeable future, and if they lose, I think it'll be worse, she said. And uh, let me see what else, because they, they talk about Kleinfeld, and she uh, was uh, commenting about uh, violence. Okay, right, so to Kleinfeld, that in part explains the significant number of Democrats also prepared to justify political violence in certain circumstances, that 13% compared with 20% of Republicans. And she said that nonetheless, actual acts of violence almost entirely from one side. Quote, what that suggests is that the American people are very frustrated with our democracy, and I don't think it's working, and don't think it's working. But Republicans think they can get away with violence and it can be normalized by their leaders, whereas Democratic leaders are keeping a check on their side. That is not to say that that will be forever, she said. Underpinning all of this are America's changing demographics and the diminishing of white political power. A Windmoot survey showed that one, of the, one in three people buys into the far-right Great Replacement Conspiracy. They read that white Americans are being supplanted by minorities, cited by the murders of dozens of people in recent massacres from Texas to New York State. The Great Replacement theory is also regularly aired on Fox News. So this is whole multifaceted, like, like all these problems, it's political, it's racial, it's economic, like it's a whole house of cards. But I'm, I, but like, you know, I, I talk about the great replacement theory and they explicitly point out, you know, whites losing uh, power. They're, 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 yeah, it's just like, this is a dangerous time. And a lot of this has to do with white nationalism and white supremacy. I mean, it's not a surprise. Like, again, like, like you look up like um the search history of some of these white nationalist terrorist shooters and their whole search history is like ben shapiro jordan peterson tucker carlson like they're watching the same people alex jones it, it's just like that's like dude like this is like seriously man how do you, how does anybody look at this and truly believe that things are going to be okay truly like, I, I don't, like, again, like, it's just, like, people are so, they got the head up their ass, and then, like, once the shooting starts, they're just like, what? I, what? It's just, like, again, I, I say this again, like, there's, the only thing left to do is to fold up my arms and say, I told you so, because it's just, like, this is, this is so obvious what's happening.
It's so obvious. And then you guys get caught up and when shit goes sideways and it's like, I, I never saw this coming when all the signs were there. Again, so, you know, you're, you're hearing here and you're hearing a pretty like extensive breakdown of all the factors that play into the potential for civil war. Okay, of course, though, it's like these right-wing nut jobs on TikTok. Just like, oh, well, I'll tell you what. You you think you can come here and you can think you can boss around Donald Trump? I'll tell you what, brother. Like, of course, it's like so dumb, but like a major factor is the economy. And if we get another depression, like a true depression, where the standard of living just falls under us, Okay, and this isn't like, you know, with the first Great Depression, you know, because at least in that time, like, people, like, they they were still, like, emerging as, like, how do I say this? Because there was the Roaring Twenties, of course, and that was some economic prosperity, but the, not to the level that we have today, because, like, the prosperity, and I put that in quotations, uh, it's, like, it's everywhere, and we've that's all we've known, that's all we've lived through. And we had like the 2008 recession. Of course, that was a pretty big economic slump. You know, people getting unemployed and foreclosed. But like, dude, like a depression now, people losing their jobs, getting evicted. That is going to just rip everything apart. Okay. There's a reason why they keep like, you know, as I said, there, there's a reason why. Okay. Well, we'll forgive 10,000 and we're going to push back payments. It's just like. Because once everything starts up again, that like nobody's gonna pay it off. Like they, they can't. Like nobody can pay this off. Yeah, man. Like again, this is just really bad, dude. It's really, really bad. Like I, I'm like I'm being upfront. Like I, I, I want to start working because a major part of why I want to work and have like a, you know, a nine to five, is so I can arm myself and be prepared for. A potential for violence because like I'm sorry man like I, I I'm not gonna be caught lacking okay because I live around as I said I live in Texas and uh, this is this place is gonna be a bloodbath that's all I have to say right but speaking on Texas you know not something so it, it's still a serious crisis issue but not so uh, uh, dramatic or uh, uh, depressing really but it's still really bad. Uh, it's this uh, record uh, loss of teachers in a, in a year. So they're saying that up to 43,000 teachers have left the state. <laughs> like, wow, that, that is embarrassing. Okay. And, you know, I know a couple people who are uh, like they're just now like becoming teachers. So it's just like I want to get their thoughts on what's going on because like. I would not want to be in a an American public high school right now. Like that has got to be the worst place to be right now. There have been times where I've been delivering, and like I never really like because like when you're um, accepting the order, you get like a map overhead of the destination, like the the picking up the order and then the destination, the drop off, and like sometimes I just like accept it quickly and I never pay attention, and then I'll get to the drop off and it's like fuck, it's a high school. Like, I'm just like, okay, let me drop off the food and get the fuck out of here. It's just like, I don't want to be around this. So, right. Um, again, this is not me knocking kids because, of course, like, you know, kids got to go to school. But, like, uh, the state 
has just ruined public education, just ruined it. And it's funny too, they're saying that Governor Greg Abbott has issued a task force, but five, they're saying five months later, the group has yet to make any recommendations. Even, even then too, they only had initially two teachers and then they expanded it to 52 after some criticism. But it's just like, they're like, Greg Abbott's just like, oh yeah, um, do you have any recommendations? And just being frank, it's just like, yeah, uh, resign. Uh, you, your administration, the entire cabinet, uh, the attorney general, the lieutenant governor, all the Republican senators, resign. And then we can fix this public education issues and a lot of other issues too. It's just like, <laughs> this is, it's just ridiculous, okay? And also, you see stuff like Fox News now, they're talking about, uh, you know, the, the teacher crisis, you know, the teacher shortage, and they're just like, oh, what? Uh, why are we... Of course, they put it on Brandon and they completely ignore the, the years of, like, just outright hostility towards teachers, you know, saying that they're uh, they're, they're radicalizing our children to communism and teaching us to hate our, ch our country and, uh, like, uh, critical race theory and all this bullshit. It's just, like, outright hostility... And then what a surprise, nobody wants to be a teacher. I mean, I've been told that I should consider uh, going into teaching, but I I just told them straight up, I'm like, I'm not working in these schools, okay? I'm not, because like the, the curriculum that you have to abide by, like, you know, some school districts in Texas, they're, they're trying to change the language, so you don't talk about slavery, it's more like involuntary relocation, or, you know, it's like a semantics thing, and Again, I would, I, you know, as a teacher, I would teach some really controversial subject matters and uh, be very upfront about uh, some things. And, you know, again, you know, that's the thing with, you know, working in public schools and you're you're going to have a kid who is raised in a conservative household. And, of course, they're going to complain and the, the parents are going to get involved. And then, like, it, it's like, yeah, that, that's not worth it. It's just not worth it. So it's just like. Yeah, and that's probably why a lot of these teachers are leaving, too, because they have to do with outright hostility. Let's see here. So, I'm trying to read here. Well, like, the reasons why, because it's multifaceted. It's not just, you know, the teachers leaving, but also, like, yeah, it's it's a whole bunch of stuff, because, like, they're, they're saying, like, teachers have to spend, like, hundreds of dollars with very little reimbursements, and they, yeah, they're they're also like <laughs> they they ban books. They you know teachers having to pay out of pocket for school supplies. Like it, it's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. And you know Texas is just I, again I'm not having kids here, and if I do, I'm homeschooling them. Like and uh, it's just like I, I like <laughs> I, I you know when when I see some of my friends who have like they're they're just gonna stay here in Texas, and they are talking about having kids. I'm just like. Godspeed. I mean, of course, like, I can't say anything because, you know, people get very defensive, but it's just like Godspeed, okay, because things are not uh, going to work out here. Um, you know, that's the thing, because it's like, you know, I'm not a Texas native, so, like, I can truly be pretty objective about this place, and there's a lot of good qualities about Texas. You know, I, I like that, you know, uh, I like country aesthetic, you know, I like country music when it's not, like, you know, you know, trashy, I guess, or, you know, just being like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on my, I'm on my Ford, little bitty chicken fried. <laughs> it's just like, uh, I mean, it's fun. Don't get me wrong, but 
Then you ask about politics where they're standing. Oh, man, I love Trump. I'll tell you what, brother. I. <laughs> it's just, yeah. So, yeah, man. You know, I, I would prefer like the Matthew McConaughey, uh, Willie Nelson type, you know, country folks, you know, who at least are uh, progressive and they're not, they don't got to, you know, stick up their ass like some other folks. <laughs> but yeah, so that's, you know, with this teacher shortage, you know, it's not just Texas, it's everywhere, but te- Texas is having the worst of it. Um, yeah, <laughs> for obvious reasons. But it's just so interesting that we're having a so-called teacher shortage. But, you know, when it comes to Ukraine, we just announced another care package to them. $3 billion in aid. $3 billion, and it's, you know, just hitting the six-month anniversary. Today's actually the, uh, you know, Independence Day for uh, Ukraine. So, yeah, that's what's happening. And so I'm reading from AP. They're just covering this new uh, new aid package, $3 billion. So, like, again, we just keep dropping billions and billions of dollars. Just fucking a blank check. Just boom. But we have a teacher shortage. We, we, we're, we're, we can barely, like, forgive, like, $10,000. Like, uh, like, <laughs> like, um, all, like, again, we have endless amounts of money for war. But then trying to, like, stop, you know, this, like, deteriorating, trying trying to, like, fix this deteriorating, deteriorating education system, uh, healthcare system, uh, infrastructure, you know, a police force that is just, like, homicidal, like, all, all these problems at home. Nope. Uh, here you go, Ukraine. More money. And, like, even, like, Zelensky saying outright, we're not going to concede any territories. Just, like... What what is happening with this war, man? We need peace right now, okay? We need peace in Russia. Just give them guarantees. Like, here's the problem, because okay, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm going to talk a little more about uh, the, the the Ukraine issue. But right now, I want to talk about the aid that we're offering them. So it's three billion aid to train and equip Ukrainian forces to fight for years to come. And again, like, how long is this war going to go on? How long? Because, like, we're just giving them money and giving them weapons, and it's just like, like, dude, like, we're, we're like, we want to act like we're not at war with Russia when we're very obviously at war with Russia. Like, this is, we're at war, whether you like it or not, it's a proxy war. So, right. So, U.S. officials told the Associated Press that the package expected to be announced Wednesday, the day the war hits its six month anniversary uh, mark. Uh, or since month mark and Ukraine celebrates independence the money will fund contracts for drones weapons and other equipment that may not see the battlefront for a year or two they said the total of the aid package which is provided under the Ukraine security assistance initiative would change overnight but not likely be much several officials spoke on conditions of anonymity to discuss the aid before its public release Unlike most previous packages, the new funding is largely aimed at helping Ukrainian uh, U- Ukraine secure its medium to long-range defense posture, according to officials familiar with the matter. Earlier shipments, most of them done under the presidential drawdown authority, have focused on Ukraine's more immediate needs for weapons and ammunition and involved materiel that the Pentagon already has in stock that can be shipped in short order. 
so yeah, I mean, we're, you know, like what I was talking about with, um, you know, our retail stores, we have all these supply backlogs. Like it's the same thing with the Department of Just or Department of Defense. It's just like we have so much, so many weapons and so many equip, so much equipment and bombs and ammunition. It's just like, yeah, just just get this out. <laughs> it's just like, okay, we'll give it. Yeah. Right. Uh, in addition to providing longer term assistance that Ukraine can use for potential future defense needs, the new package is intended to reassure Ukrainian officials that the United States intends to keep up its support regardless of the day to day back and forth of the conflict, the official said. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg noted that the more extended focus Tuesday as he reaffirmed the alliance's support for the conflict torn country. Quote, winter is coming and it will be hard, and what we see now is a grinding war of attrition. This is a battle of wills and a battle of logistics. Therefore, we must sustain our support for Ukraine for the long term, so that Ukraine prevails as a sovereign, independent nation, Stoltenberg said, speaking at a virtual conference about Crimea organized by Ukraine. Right, uh, so, yeah, they're just talking about this war, and yeah, man, it's just like, the, the West and NATO, they're very obviously supporting uh, Ukraine, and it just seems like they're going to go, they're doing everything outside of, like, direct intervention, although uh, when you consider, like, how much they were uh, supporting volunteers going out to Ukraine, like, you know, it's just like, oh, yeah, no, we're not going to send our troops, but, uh, yeah, hey, you know, they just leave the back door open, but, hey, you want to go to Ukraine, there you go, there's the door. It's just like, wow. Yeah, man. You know, and I talked about in the earlier episode about uh, the the aid that we're giving to them and how a lot of that is being smuggled. And there's just like a, a you know, there, there's really not much accountability or tracking or, you know, it's just like, yeah, it's just, it's a free-for-all. And, and you know, Ukraine has already uh, historically been a pretty corrupt country. So it's not out of the question, really. Of course, whenever you try to make like any criticism of Ukraine, point out some very obvious things about them. It's like, oh, are you a Russian asset? You're spreading propaganda. Um, yeah, it's just ridiculous. And again, you know, when this conflict broke out, I, I, I was certainly like, okay, I don't support Russia invading and disrupting all this peace and, you know, bombing cities. And, you know, yeah, you know, of course, uh, civilians are going to be caught in the crossfire. But now it's become more apparent to me that and again this is not me like supporting russia because like of course russia uh, has their issues very very real issues but we have not helped the problem at all like again like the west has a role to play in this nato has a role to play in this in the eu um again i was also uh, researching more into the crimea seizure that happened in 2014 as a result of the revolution that happened there and so somebody put it into the context i have to for whatever reason i forgot who i was talking but what they were saying at least is that russia has a naval base or had one when uh, it was sovereign ukraine territory that that was the deal that they struck that russia would have a naval base and then uh that would just continue to do business there and then of course the the government uh, was overthrown by uh, the Maidan uh, protests, well, the, which were uh, pretty right-wing and radical. And just think about it, like, you have a naval base, your, your biggest naval base 
outside of like say like maybe St. Petersburg or some Arctic uh, base. But you know, again, a, a big part of Russian foreign policy is maintaining uh, year-round ice-free ports. So they have St. Petersburg. They also have you know uh, Kaliningrad, uh, and but. You know, the Black Sea is vital for Russia, especially uh, with, you know, naval stuff, stuff. So they had their base there. And that's their largest base, too. OK, so that's their largest base. And the government just the Ukrainian government just got overthrown. So, yes, although the seizure of U uh, the Crimea Peninsula was, you know, illegal, you know, it just like happened. It, it makes more sense when you understand that. Russia has a naval base and they have they they felt the need to secure it because you know now that the government got overturned the government that is pretty much openly flirting with joining the EU and NATO that basically means that base is under threat of becoming a NATO base right in Russia's like backyard it's not even their backyard it's like their porch <laughs> it's like it's like right there like again you know like once you understand like these chess maneuvers that, uh, say, places like China and Russia have to do now to secure their own interests, it makes more sense. And of course, like uh, Crimea historically has been part of Russia, uh, and there are a lot of Russian-speaking people there, um, as well with uh, the Donbass region. Uh, you know, it's just like now that I have that context and understanding of it, it's like it, it makes more sense. And of course, like right now like it's just like it's not worth it like ukraine has to go to the table they have to let it go just let it go okay because like like they haven't been taking it back and we keep dropping billions of dollars for them and they're not making any moves they're like we're like they're keep they keep hinting at a counteroffensive, which hasn't happened maybe they're gonna do something in the winter who knows but I, i'm not holding out that Ukraine can actually pull off a counteroffensive and take back the Crimean Peninsula and uh, the the uh, the the Donbass region, right? Those uh, separatist regions. Just you know, again, it's like this is so weird. And of course, it sounds like I want Ukraine to roll over. I don't want Ukraine to be completely occupied. I don't want that. But they gotta they gotta go to the table and just be like, okay. Here are our assurances. We're not going to join NATO. We're going to remain neutral, and we're not. We're not. We're going to cease uh, hostilities uh, with Crimea and the Donbas. But again, like they don't want to do that. They don't want to concede that territory. That's a sign of weakness. And then you got these Ukrainian nationalists. Like again, I keep seeing video after video of like Ukrainian nationalists like abusing. Uh, you know, uh, Romani folks, uh, women, like uh, Russian speaking people, like this is like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> this is crazy. Um, right. But so, you know, I, you know I'm going to shift because I, I don't want to be too much talking about Ukraine and uh, their problems and my criticisms of them because there's also another development with this conflict. And this is some real, like, you know, James Bond, like Cold War era, like espionage that's happening here. So there was a recent assassination of a of the daughter, Daria Dugina, the, the daughter of a far right uh, political, they call him Putin's brain, which I don't really think that's the case. But 
Yeah. So, yeah, the daughter of an ultranationalist uh, figurehead, Alexander Dugan. And so they had a car bomb and it's just, you know, they killed her. It was intentionally, it was initially for him. And then they made like a switch at the last minute and then she got killed. Yeah, this is, you know, a lot of this, it's like, what happened? Because like, there's finger pointing and of course, like, there, of course, there's like some clandestine activity that's happening. So we don't know what's happening. Who is truly responsible for this? Uh, again, this is like some real spy shit that's happening. But at the very least, you know, we'll talk about the details that we do know. So I'm reading from BBC. Russia has accused Ukrainian special services of killing the daughter of one of President Vladimir Putin's allies in a car bombing at uh, during the weekend. Daria Dugina, age 29, died on Saturday when a vehicle she was driving exploded near Russia's capital, Moscow. Her prominent ultranationalist father, Alexander Dugin, said uh, to be close to Mr. Putin may have been the intended target of the attack. Ukrainian officials have denied any involvement in the explosion. But Russia's Federal Security Services, the FSP, said on Monday it has solved the case and said that Ukraine was directly responsible. And so they're saying how uh, they were following a suspect, a Ukrainian woman, um, and that she was uh, at the apartment. She rented an apartment in the same building as Dujina for several months, you know, preparing for the attack, and then allegedly left once the attack had, was completed. So it's very interesting that they're saying that. They're like, so we're, we're following a suspect, and then she was able to assassinate uh, one of our uh, you know, political... Because, like, the... The, this uh I don't really know about her too much like again this is the first time we're really hearing about her but she, supposedly she was also continuing her father's work you know people call her a Nazi Nazbol yeah again she, they're they're nationalists so yeah and I'll, and I'll expand further on his ideology but um it, it's like so they killed a political activist a pro Putin pro Russian nationalist activist initially trying to target her father but it's like if the if the FSB already had a suspect how was and then she just managed to kill somebody and then she just miraculously leaves the country it's like like yeah again this is this feels weird it's like either they like let it slip or like they that that was intentional they they just had somebody to you know say oh well yeah we have a suspect we already solved it like who knows? Like this, yeah. Again, this is a very weird situation that's happening. But then at the same time, it's like, why would Russia kill one of their own? If supposedly Alexander Dugin is like the brain for Putin, like, what you think he's going to actually like try to get his daughter killed? Like, wouldn't don't you think that we get somebody a little, you know, more expendable? <laughs> um, yeah, this is it's weird. I don't like this is weird. Uh, right. So we're just reading further. Uh, so the FSB later released video allegedly showing the suspect's car entering Russia, security footage of her entering what is said to be Ms. Dugina's building and leaving Russia. Ms. Dugina and her father were attending a festival near Moscow on Saturday evening where Dugin, a philosopher, gave a lecture. They had reportedly in intended to leave in the same car but changed their plans at the last minute. Investigators said uh, explosives had been planted underneath the Toyota Land Cruiser Mr. Gino was driving. Video from the scene posted online appeared to show a shaken Mr. Dugan watching emergency services attend to the burning vehicle. 
a family friend, uh, Constantine Malofiv, published a statement on behalf of Mr. Dugan, which branded his daughter's killings a terrorist act by uh, the Ukrainian Nazi regime. Right. And they you know, also Putin paid his respects as well. So, again, this is like, um, it, it's crazy. It's like, you know, uh, how would I, how would we characterize this? It would be like if somebody like was trying to get at Jordan Peterson and they killed Michaela. Not to say like any violence should come to them, but like it kind of feels like that. And then people saying, oh, but you see Jordan Peterson, he's Trump's brain or something like that. You know, it, again, it's not really like a one to one comparison, but it's just like, yeah, this is like a really like really uh, suspicious event and circumstances. You know, we could have, you know, again, this is surely going to uh, inflame tensions. And it's also really interesting too, and again, like it gets really annoying when I'm online and I see people like uh, like dunking on something like this. Like people like are genuinely happy that she got fucking exploded. And I'm just like, what the fuck is dude? I mean, again, I don't know what her politics was. I mean, if they're saying that she was an ultra nationalist and uh, like a Nazi sympathizer, then okay, yeah, problematic, but <laughs> we probably shouldn't be. Uh, celebrating somebody getting like exploded and burning you know to a, a crisp like again it's just like I don't, I don't know man it's just so weird so they're continuing with other speculations and so there's this uh, analyst Yekaterina uh, Shulman uh, saying that the outrage of anger amongst pro-Kremlin commentators in response to the car bomb attacks appears suspicious uh, quote the reaction was immediate it looks as if they were waiting for something like this to happen. So, it's kind of weird that they're saying, that like, oh, they reacted to uh, immediately. It's like, hmm, if there's an assassination of political activists, you know, from your own, like, political establishment, you know, in a pretty dramatic way, a car bomb, yeah, that would that would warrant an immediate response. <laughs> it's just, whatever. Um, and they're also saying that, like, uh, there, I was reading somewhere that there's another group that is um, more of a Russian resistance group taking responsibility for this. So, again, man, like, and already, like, this past couple of months, there's just been story after story of certain buildings catching fire, like really important government buildings, um, and also, like, the Ukrainians launching raids into Russia. So it's just like, the Russians are in a war, and like the war is coming home. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, a car bombing is pretty serious, and so there's fears that there's going to be a some sort of retaliation against Ukraine. I mean, today is their Independence Day, so uh, there's fears that they are going to retaliate. So I haven't heard anything of any kind of uh, major strikes, but. Yeah, I mean, like, there's, like, the like I, the pa Pakistani government made an announcement telling the citizens to leave, and also the American government saying the same thing. So, yeah, we're, we're going to have to wait and see if they launch any strikes. But I want to talk at least about Alexander Dugan, who he is, and what his political philosophy is. Because, again, I've never heard of, of him until now. And it's so weird that they're saying that he's 
Putin's brain. Like he's the puppet master. Like, do you honestly think Putin would ever position himself to have somebody above him calling the shots? Like, do you think that's the case? Like, Putin is about power. And he just wants to maintain his own wealth. But also, like, Russian national sovereignty, right? To stand up against the West. Because, again, like, uh, you know, uh, they have these oligarchs and it's all a business for them okay so it's it's a mob it's you know he's a czar that's kind of the way he positions himself as a strong man uh but this idea that he has some like far right alt right like uh they, they kind of describe him as a cult leader you know trying to you know call the shots for him like that that to me seems kind of like uh it seems a bit much so again like this assassination of his daughter is so weird because it's like so many different things so like the ukrainians trying to assassinate him it's like why would they because like he's he doesn't even hold political office so he's like he's just a guy who talks about uh you know uh russian nationalism but like that's all he does you know he could have gone over some like real military leaders or real political leaders instead they go after some random uh, basically, like he's just a blogger, really. And then on the flip, it's like, okay, so what if it was the Russians doing it against themselves? I mean, of course, like Dugan, as I said, he's basically a blogger, but he's still pretty prominent. And, you know, if, if, if at the very least he's not in on it, at the very least, if the government wanted to assassinate somebody, they should have, they probably would have gone for somebody more expendable. Not somebody like, you know, the, the actual daughter of like a pretty significant philosopher. Probably somebody who's, you know, yeah. It, so, it, again, I'm just speculating because I, I, I don't know what the hell's going on. But it's just like, the, like, it's weird. Like, it's just like, what? Like, wow, we're like really in uncharted territory. And then who knows, like, what kind of response we might get. Either Ukrainians or uh, one of us, you know, one of our uh, one of the Western powers. Who knows? Uh, right. So just talking about uh, this uh, this guy. So uh, for years, analysts and observers have offered competing views about the 60. I'm reading from Al Jazeera. From year for years, analysts and observers have offered competing views about the 60-year-old political philosopher's true level of influence among Moscow's political elite. This week, the long-standing debate has taken on a new intensity after his daughter was killed by a car bomb in the Russian capital. Moscow has accused Ukrainian services, secret services, of killing Dugin's daughter, Daria Dugin, Dugina, a claim rejected as propaganda by Kiev. There is growing speculation that Dugin himself may have been the target of Saturday's attack, reflecting his prominence as a leading advocate for Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And so they're talking about his uh, uh, philosophy. And so uh, in the 90s, you know, amid the collapse of the Soviet Union, he was a prolific writer for Russia's far-right Den newspaper. In a manifesto named, quote, The Great War of the Continents, which was serialized by the paper in 1991-1992, he should lead this empire or he himself should lead this empire which 
you know, again, like it's just like, you know, if some people they're, they're saying that he's Putin's brain, but then like he's like flirting with the idea of being the czar. It's just like, hmm. So anyway, um, by 1997, Dugan's idea on so-called Eurasianism had coalesced and he published The Foundations of Geopolitics, a book that would go on to become a widely recognized as his most significant work and reportedly become compulsory reading at the Senior Staff College of the Russian Armed Forces. He called in the tax for Russia to rebuild its influence, minus the communist ideology of the Soviet Union, through alliances and annexations, including the seizure of Ukraine, which he claimed had no geopolitical meaning and no ethnic exclusiveness as a state. Uh, Susan Smith Peter, a Russian historian and professor at the City University of New York in the United States, described Dugan's notions as fascist. Quote, his life's work was basically been to take fascist ideas and modify them for a Russian audience so that they kind of have this Russian veneer, Smith Peter told Al Jazeera. And he has been influencing people on a variety of different levels. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, uh, again, though, they're, they're saying that uh, he, of course, has some influence, but they're probably overinflating it, this idea that uh, nationalism, nationalism, Russian nationalism is his, oh, his bread and butter. He brought this, like, I don't think that's the case. Uh, there are certain, like, you know, Russian nationalism is certainly already there. So, you know, he might be the biggest, you know, speaker for it, but he's not the, the sole, like, creator of it. And, you know, he also makes comments about, uh, say, you know, his thoughts on the Russian invasion or in the 2014 uh, conflict, he's, you know, pretty, pretty radical about it, you know, saying to kill, kill, kill. Um, right. And I'm reading from an, another uh, analyst, so Samuel Romani, uh, quote, uh, Dugan's actual influence over Russian policy has been grossly overstated. He's never held an official title within Russia, and he isn't that in touch with the current establishment, least of all Putin. And continuing with Romani, he noted that Dugan had always wanted to go much further on foreign, foreign policy than Putin is willing to go, citing the former's called for uh, uh, during the 2008 war with Russia for the overthrow of the country's government and in 2014 for Russia to declare war on Ukraine and annex the country's eastern region after Moscow invaded and seized the Crimean Peninsula. So, yeah, he's certainly more radical and he's more hardline. And, uh, you know, he's... Uh, so, th so this idea that he's Putin's uh, brain doesn't add up because he's more radical than Putin and wants Putin to push further, which he Putin hasn't necessarily done. I mean, again, this guy wants to create a second empire. You know, uh, Putin, of course, he's going to secure his geopolitical interests, but he's not going to go all the way. You know, he, yeah. Of course, now they did move to occupy Ukraine, which didn't work out, but it took eight years to get to that point. So, again, and, and yeah, so... Who, who knows? And again, this uh, development and the response from Russia is just going to have to, we're going to have to wait and see. But at the same time, it's just, you know, interesting to see this, you know, uh, development and uh, this, you know, attack. Because again, like for us, like, it's just like, oh, okay, a car bombing happened somewhere else. But then like, if we got a car bombing here against like a political 
the the kid of some political philosopher, say like uh, some Fox News host, one of their kids gets killed in a car bomb, like that would be a huge story. That would be huge, and that would see like an immediate retaliation. So again, yeah. So and again, I'm still talking a bit about Ukraine, uh, just really what this uh, war is uh, developing into, but. I have uh, talked about the you know today is the anniversary and fr from the um, independence of 1991 uh, but also they're bracing for strikes and from from this assassination that occurred and uh, yeah but also you know Zelensky is saying that they will cede no territory you know she's taking the hard line and you know they're also having some summits talking about uh, you know th this Crimea platform that they're calling it so again it's just like it it's a stalemate you know even uh, Russia said that they're slowing their advance to uh, minimize civilian casualties because honestly like I think really they just want to secure the Donbass region and uh, secure the Crimean Peninsula that's really all they want to do I, I think that's you know as about as far as that they want to go you know, because they're kind of waiting for a counteroffensive to happen, which Ukraine can't really commit to, because that will be a huge endeavor. So, again, and actually interesting too that they um released some because you know today is the anniversary, so they released like this uh, video, the Ukrainians, you know, celebrating the resistance and their national glory. And no joke, they had Russian soldiers bound up blindfolded just standing out in the field and like they're they all t they're wearing all tattered clothes and they're just like kneeling and like the guy is just like they come to our country and they try to step on us and look at them they're pathetic it's like <laughs> it, they're like that that's abuse of those prisoners they're being paraded uh for propaganda purposes again like and I'm not kidding you. They were like they were like in their underwear, tattered clothes. So it's like they were like bound up, and it's like they're and just like what the fuck. And like, and again, like you have some people online like cheering this on, just being like, "Ha, yeah," and then talking about how, "Oh yeah, well you see, they they execute uh, the the Russians execute prisoners, so no, this isn't as bad." And yeah, man, it's just weird seeing the people like online like cheering on like because uh, you know I, I mean i watch combat footage quite a bit but you know they'll show videos of say a russian soldier dead on the street or a russian soldier stepping on a mine or uh like a drone footage of like literally like a, a russian soldier just like getting shot and bleeding out and like crawling in a field and like people are like they get off on that shit man and it's just like like Again, like, I, I only watch it just to contextualize this conflict and to understand, like, the, the realities on the ground. But it's not, it's really sad, like, seeing somebody die on, on camera. And then, like, other people are, like, they'll put, like, dubstep music on it. And then it's just, like, some guy, like, like just crawling. And I'm just like, what? And then you read these comments. Yeah, fuck yeah, Slava Ukraine. Yeah, get the orcs. It's just, like. War makes man a beast to mankind. It's really sad. It really is. And of course, if you try to like, you know, be more balanced, at the very least, you know, not literally dehumanize people dying. Oh no, you're a Russian asset, right? 
So, uh, yeah. And then also, they're talking about uh, this nuclear power plant in Zaporizhia that's uh, under threat because they're talking about, uh, you know, it, it, like initially, like I watched the live stream as the Russian forces were going in, like they were shooting inside the facility. So, like, you know, this is like a very serious problem. Although, I don't think the Russians are that reckless to actually, like, blow up a nuclear facility. Um, but yeah, you know, this is a, an international incident that's occurring. So, I'm reading from CNBC just about this nuclear power plant crisis. Uh, they're talking about a plant worker dying from Russian shelling, right? So, the U.S. State Department issued a warning over the threat of increased Russian strikes in Ukraine uh, during the week of its Independence Day on August 24th urging Americans in Ukraine to leave the country. Uh, Kiev is bracing itself for a fresh Russian attack that uh, its president, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, has warned may be particularly nasty. And then uh, the UN is also sounding an alarm about the nuclear power plant in Zaporizhia, demanding demilitarization of the area and warning that the world is facing a moment of maximum danger. A worker at the plant died of his injuries from shelling, Russian shelling. Uh, right, and also they're talking about the grain. So they're exporting grain up to 700 uh, metric tons, 700,000 metric tons. So, yeah, pretty pretty significant uh, developments. I'm going to read further. But yeah, they're, um, yeah the uh, International Atomic Energy Agency, uh, they're making requests to visit the facility. So, uh, they're just going to have to wait and see, right? Right. So Ukraine told the International Atomic Energy Agency that Russia renewed shelling over the weekend at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. Ukraine reportedly re reported damage to a laboratory and chemical facilities at the nuclear facility from Russian shelling. IAEA Director General Rafael Grossi said in a statement, uh, Grossi said that there were Ukrainian reports that some of the transformers were also damaged. Quote, these incidents show why the IAEA must be able to send a mission to the power plant very soon. I'm continuing to consult very actively and intensely with all parties so that the vital IAEA mission can take place without further delay. He added that a site visit by IAEA inspectors is expected to take place within the few, next few days, provided the ongoing uh, negotiations succeed. Right. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is just the thing that's happening, and we're, we're just gonna have to follow it. It's just like there's so much that's happening, so much that's like evolving for this conflict. And with uh, you know, again, they're talking about a nuclear power plant, so it, it's just like, man, this this could uh, really uh, go south. Really, yeah, they're saying it's that I mean, it's like the largest power plant in Europe, nuclear power plant. In the middle of a war zone, getting shelled. <laughs> and, you know, Ukraine already has Chernobyl. <laughs> like, that's crazy. Like, one in the opening days of the of the, the war, like, there was a battle in Chernobyl. It's <laughs> crazy, crazy. Um, so, that's Ukraine. And, of course, I uh, spoke quite a bit on that. But, it, of course, it is an important subject matter. And today is their anniversary. So, I wanted to see at least... Uh, if there were any kind of missile strikes that they were talking about, but that, I mean, I haven't really uh, kept up with it as much. But yeah, so uh, that is Ukraine for now. 
And before I wrap up with this international sequence or segment, I do also want to talk about, not necessarily it's like political, geopolitical, or economic, rather it's more internet drama. However, it's like a very serious situation, very serious situation that's happening. And this really speaks to the weaponization and uh, the, it's like a shadow war uh, that, that, that is, you know, permeating online, right? So, you know, we know stuff that happens, right, with um, certain influencers uh, getting doxxed or getting swatted, right? And so, uh, you know, people have died from swatting. Like, people have been shot. And, like, these trolls online, these fucking losers, like, they laugh at it. Like, that, that's, it, it's a hit. That's what they're trying to do. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, they got nothing better to do but to harass people online. And so what they're doing now... You know, specifically talking about uh, the Twitch streamer Kefals, uh, Kefals. I, I don't really keep up with her, but uh, Clara Sorrenti, right, uh, who is a trans activist uh, in Canada, Twitch streamer. You know, uh, yeah, I've seen her on Twitter a bit, but it's like this new development of her getting swatted and also of her being uh, harassed and. Um, basically her family getting harassed and terrorized like this is very serious and already like this website they're talking about kiwi farms that they're trying to get a uh, cloudflare i think uh, that, that that's their uh, hosting site like it, it's a whole campaign it's a war it is it is it really is but right uh, just talking about uh kefal's getting doxxed and swatted like this and she literally has to like flee canada right now <laughs> so yeah man it's like because some people have criticisms of her and yeah okay whatever but at the same time it's like all i know right now is that a trans woman is being threatened and terrorized by these uh lunatics online so that's all that needs to be said <laughs> like this is unacceptable so right so i'm reading from uh, cbc the canadian uh, site talking about uh, her uh, swatting by the police, right? So a transgender activist and internet broadcaster Clara Sorrenti of London, Ontario, says she's leaving the country for a time, at least to escape unrelenting harassment that has become really bad. Earlier this month, Sorrenti, 28, who's known as Kefals on the streaming platform Twitch, was the victim of a swatting attack after police dispatchers fielded two calls claiming she was about to shoot people at City Hall. Officers who arrived at her home arrested her at gunpoint, but have since said she was not at fault. Like, she even had her um, computer equipment seized, and I mean, luckily she got it back, but it's still just like, you know, even though, like, it was a mishap and, like, a, a mistake, like, getting swatted is a seriously traumatic experience. Seriously traumatic experience, okay? And it's like, people have been shot by, by these SWAT uh, people, because, like, like what the fuck man you're like they're, they're yeah so anyway uh since then online trolls have continued to harass sorrenti uh while she has more than forty-two thousand followers and now even speaks about american anti-trans legislations and transgender rights she uh, says some people target her because of her activism she probably she previously told cbc yeah i get messages almost every day from trans people especially young trans people saying that i give them courage and that they can be who they are but people hate me and want to shut me up. Recently, in one instance, someone ordered multiple pizzas at the hotel room where Sorrenti had been temporarily staying. So, 
I mean, yeah, these these weirdos, like, from what they're, um, from what I've read, like, uh, she posted a picture of her bed sheets, and then like they cross examined like bed sheets in her vicinity, uh, like, like they're really dedicated to this man. This is like they're, I mean, they're losers, but like they're, you know, really like uh, doing like a lot and. Yeah, they also talk about her, um, about them calling her family. So, like, they're they're going all in. So, yeah, she um, she's fleeing the country, right? Uh, Sorrenti is concerned. London police, London Ontario police, don't have the resources to stop online trolls who are based all over the world. "Quote: This is a very international thing," said Sorrenti. "A lot of the people who are doing this to me and to my family are Americans." They're from the UK, they're from all over the place. Uh, the cybercrime element to this, I don't know that the London Police Service has had to deal with something of this degree or, or intensity. This degree of intensity. London Police said they can't comment because Sorrenti's case is still an open and active criminal investigation. In the meantime, Sorrenti plans to go to Europe for a month or two, although she isn't willing to share any more information about her departure or destinations as she fears trolls will try to send police to the airport if they know she's there and they also uh, she's heard that the harassers want her to be on a no-fly list uh, and also uh, Sorrenti believes the bulk of the harassment stems from Kiwi Farms a website that describes itself as a quote community dedicated to discussing eccentric people who voluntarily make fools of themselves quote uh, the best way to support me is to pressure is to put pressure on a company called Cloudflare 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 is a company that's supporting a website called Kiwi Farms, and all of this is happening because of that one website, said Sorrenti. So uh, this is uh, the, the hosting site, right? And so I'm going to continue further about Cloudflare and the campaign to get them to drop Kiwi Farms. And I've never, I, I haven't visited Kiwi Farms because I don't want to look at that right now. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm reading from Vice, right? So reading further. Following the recent doxing and swatting of Twitch streamer Kefals, people are demanding that Cloudflare, which provides security services to websites, stop offering its services to Kiwi Farms. The form that she alleges organized the swatting. The swatting ref uh, refers to a dangerous and sometimes fatal internet harassment tactic, you know, sending SWAT teams to uh, people. Uh, yeah, Clara Sorrenti, also known as Kefals, was raided at her home and arrested on August 5th. She claimed that users on Kiwi Farms, a notorious message board with a history of targeting people, targeting and doxing vulnerable people, organized the raid and continued to harass her and, and numerous others. Cloudflare has not, Cloudflare has not responded to Motherboard's multiple requests for comment. Sorrenti told me that a threat about her is one of the fastest growing on Kiwi Farms. Quote, since March, they doxed me three times. Information that they've posted was used to swap me as well as an elderly man in T Toronto where they thought I lived, she said. Quote, they've doxxed members of my family, they've tried to terrorize me and do everything they can to ruin my life. And one of the countless people who've been affected by this, there's three people who have been documented that they've taken their own lives as a result of website of this website. And I want to do everything I can to get this website off the internet. Kiwi Farms has a reputation for being one of the worst trolling websites on the internet. It's place it's a place where users specifically misgender trans people regularly single out people to dox and harass them. As part of the campaign for Cloudflare to drop Kiwi Farms, more people have come 
forward on Twitter to share their uh, to, to share the abuse they've experienced when they became the, the forum's target. So yeah, this is like it's just crazy. Like when people online really commit themselves to like uh, terrorize people, like it gets scary. It really does, and then it's just like some like incel on online just like heh. Oh, a trans person living their best lives. Let's try to get them to commit suicide. Like, wow, man. Wow, dude. Holy fuck, man. Like, this is the like, uh, you know, we're talking about online radicalization. Online, like, this is terrorism. That's what it is. It's terrorism. Like, they have a goal, and they want to terrorize people to shut them up, and. To, to the point of suicide and then they like they dance on that person's grave essentially and then it's just like some like anime fucking avi uh, pro profile picture just like it's just wow man these people have no how pathetic is your life that you have to spend day after day uh just like <laughs> looking through metadata and like examining like photos like if somebody like posts a photo of some skyline like they can literally determine like oh we'll see by these shadows it's going east to west and like it, it is mind-boggling the level of dedication people go into to ruin your life when they set your mind to it when they set their mind to it it's just crazy <laughs> and then of course you have websites like this like cloudflare that like for whatever reason they just let this happen like they they don't like think for a second like huh they're they're doxing and harassing people and sending SWAT teams to get them killed. Yeah, no, we we don't have any comment on that. <laughs> and um, right. Also, they talk about Cloudflare, right? So Cloudflare has drawn hard lines in the past and revoked its services from some of the vilest websites online, including the neo-Nazi website The Daily Stormer in 2017, and following increased public criticism and initial refusal to do so, booted 8chan, a popular website for terrorist manifestos. I've also heard that they spread child pornography uh, through 8chan. Uh, it's also pulled services from websites that provided a public good. In 2018, Cloudflare kicked Twitter, a social platform for sex workers to, keep, to help keep each other safe, off its services, uh, citing the uh, FOSTA, S-E-S-T-A, bill as the reason so like when it comes to alt-right like neo-nazis like white supremacist stuff like they're, they're kind of dragging their feet like they only do it once attention is called to it but then when it called when it comes to sex workers networking to keep each other safe they jumped on that pretty quickly um yeah so th this is just a, a campaign and who knows because again they're it, it Again, these companies, they, they're they not going to do anything until they really start affecting their bottom line. But it just really goes to show how, like, uh, certain companies, like, it, they have an MO. And then for whatever reason, it's just like, ah, oh, well, yeah. Like, for whatever reason, they just, oh, they just now all of a sudden got around to uh, removing the neo-Nazi website. The, the, the doxing, swatting, you know, troll harassment website. It's just like... Wow. But man, this is scary, man. You know, and like I I kind of like think to myself like if I reach a certain level of influence with this program, like there's a good chance that I could become a target. <laughs> and it's just like what the fuck? Again, these guys are losers, but 
they have to feel powerful. They have to they, they, they have to get something because their lives are already miserable. And so they have to make others miserable or spread fear because, yeah, they got nothing else going on. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, get a life, man. It's just like, wow. So, you know, that's what I wanted to talk about with this international segment, um, you know, particularly with uh, her dealing with that. So best of luck to her. But, man, it's scary, man. People are really scary online. Like, it's just like when somebody really wants to ruin your life, they will they will do it. And I, and I just finished, um, you know, uh, Better Call Saul. You know, I, I look at, like, um, Jimmy, Saul, uh, like, and Kim, you know, maneuvering and scheming to ruin uh, Howard's life. It's just like, wow. Like, it's really scary. Like, and that's, like, in person. Okay? Like, this is not, like, yeah, it's just, wow. So, anyway, um, right, so... Uh, reading, um, so that, that's the international segment. So now I'm going to move on to the more natural events, natural phenomenon. So uh, continuing, right? So in the Southwest, they just, you know, they've had their monsoon season. And actually, like, we've had some rain as well, which is very welcome, actually. Like, for the last couple of days, it's been cloudy. Because, like, during the whole summer, like, I swear to God, like, it was just constant sun, just, like, beating down, just, like, heat and sunlight. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I like a nice, you know, sunny day. Don't get me wrong. But then when it's, like, literally, like, almost two months of just sun and heat and just drought, like, after a certain point, it's like, okay, we need some rain. (laughs) And then now we got our rain back. And it's, like, flash flooding, like, monsoons and... I mean, yeah, you get one extreme and then the next extreme. And then, you know, uh, this winter is going to be interesting. But I want to talk at least what this um, monsoon and, you know, flash flooding events that have been occurring with uh, in Las Vegas. Because, again, like, this is going to be a new trend now with uh, different natural events occurring in uh, really, like, high-end places. I mean, Las Vegas, it's like a tourist spot, right? And even there like there's the, the natural you know climate disasters are going to come there as well and that's bad for their business again you know it's like you know the the normies you know the uh, the, the average joe americans who don't think about these issues they think that they can avoid it forever and then as they're out you know pulling on the slot machine there's like water leaking and like all of a sudden you're looking down and then there's like uh, water like you're, you're getting flooded out and you're like what the fuck like I'm just trying to I'm trying to play my games man like yeah so I'm reading from USA Today they're talking about the floodings that have occurred in Las Vegas uh, flash flooding that killed at least two and uh, really just you know all these videos coming out of like the, the streets turning into like rivers like there's just getting flooded and you know and they're out in the middle of the desert and that's the thing too with um rainfall like uh, in desert areas, like it doesn't really like it, it doesn't like seep into the sand, like the sand doesn't absorb it, absorb it as well. So like a lot of the, the it like it runs off really quickly. So like a flash flooding event in the desert is like devastating. It truly is. So right. Uh, so the, the National Weather Service issued a flash flooding warning early Friday, uh, just after midnight, 
a warning of heavy rain, lightning, and gusty winds. A video on social media captured a bus floundering through an intersection that floodwaters had turned into lagoons and a car uh, battling strong currents of downhill flooding. Uh, another video showed water pouring in from the roof of what appeared to be the Planet Hollywood Casino. The footage posted to Twitter showed water soaking several card tables with cards and chips floating. And a man's body was found Friday by public works crews and firefighters removing debris from a flood channel near the Las Vegas Boulevard Resort area where a person died about uh, midnight despite being pulled by firefighters from floodwaters. Uh, Deputy Clark County Fire Chief Billy Samuel said uh, the Clark County coroner did not immediately report the identities or causes of death in either case. So, right, the Cambling Town is experiencing its most intense monsoon season in a decade. It has seen 1.28 inches of rainfall in 2022, according to the National Weather Service. The region hadn't received more than an inch of rainfall since 2014, according to uh, the National Weather Service. So, they received like, like, in a year, they received a year's worth of rainfall. So it's like, yeah, man. Like I saw some images of monsoons also in like Death Valley. And it's just like water everywhere, like a deluge. It's just like crazy, crazy. Um, right. Yeah. And then all these images of like water leaking, like through like the rooftops and like, you know, yeah, it's just like. Uh, on the one hand, it's like it sucks that people have to deal with that, but then at the same time, it's like, yeah, this is uh, there's no escaping it because uh, you know, people go to Las Vegas to escape, and then you know, you get your weekend ruined because of a flash flooding monsoon. And uh, yeah, I mean, like, I'm sorry, I, I don't personally feel that I would ever go to Las Vegas, it's just like. Again, like clubbing and dancing and all that stuff is not for me. This is not particularly for me. It's like Sodom and Gomorrah. It's just like, I mean, again, like, what what's fun for me isn't fun for most other people because I'm just like, this. I don't particularly care. Like, I just don't. It's opulent. It's uh, you know. Drugs, alcohol, like, it, yeah, it's just like, yeah, and then, like, you know, it's a town with a real uh, deep underbelly, a dark underbelly, uh, with the history, like, it's a literal, like, ma mafia colony, like, it's just like, yeah, so, I mean, that's just what I think of the town, but the the the, the fact that, like, there are the rich and the wealthy and the tourists who want to go out and party, oh, yeah, uh, you're... Yeah, the, the party's coming to an end. Uh, I hate to break it to you. The party already ended. And uh, yeah, so anyway. But, you know, they're, they're talking about monsoons in uh, Las Vegas and record rainfall there. Um, but also here in Texas, we had some rainfall as well. And uh, particularly in Dallas, Dallas had some uh, real, uh, uh, like, rain. Like, uh, like they're saying in some areas up to 15 inches. And so, you know, uh, yeah, like that area gets flooded out pretty. I'm not too familiar with Dallas. Like I haven't really driven uh, like in the heart of uh, that metropolitan area. But I would imagine it's very much similar to Houston. Although Houston is like worse. <laughs> it's like it's bigger and worse. But yeah, it's like 
If, if Houston was getting 15 inches of rainfall, like that would be devastating, devastating. So, right. So I'm reading from AccuWeather about uh, this. They're, they're saying that this is the highest 24-hour period of rainfall in nearly 90 years. And uh, there, uh, at least one person has died. So uh, throughout the day on Monday, the city was all but brought to a standstill, standstill as officials urged motorists to stay off the roads and carried out rescues of those whose vehicles were caught in the floodwaters. Monday evening, Dallas County Judge Clay Jenkins reported that a 60-year-old woman was killed when her vehicle was swept away in the flooding. Meanwhile, tens of thousands were without power for a time on Monday, and air travel at local airports was disrupted. The heavy rain began under the dark of night on Sunday. Flash flooding warnings, flash flood warnings issued in parts of Dallas late Sunday quickly gave way to nearly 10 inches of rain in a short period of time uh, near the uh, downtown area, creating submerged roadways and forcing water rescues throughout the area. Uh, rainfall quote, continued well until Monday with the uh, total 24-hour rainfall of 9.19 inches as of 2 p.m. local time, noted as the second highest total ever and most since September uh, 1932. Right. And then uh, they're also saying here, so that we're in a drought. Uh, Dallas, you know, has been in the throes of an exceptional drought this summer, according to the U.S. Drought Monitor, and experienced a 67-day streak uh, with no measurable rainfall, the second longest such streak in city history. That streak ended on August 10th, but drought conditions as well as unusually hot weather have persisted until the deluge that occurred Sunday into Monday. And uh, unofficial amateur weather stations reported over a foot of rain with 15.86 inches at Londonderry Lane and 15.87 inches of rain in East Dallas and Parkdale. So, quote, uh, just reading from a meteorologist, quote, uh, with rain falling so quickly onto an area with many roads and other hard surfaces that cannot soak in water, that is a combination that we've seen lead uh, to incredible damaging urban flooding, AccuWeather meteorologist Andrew Johnson Levine said. And also, like, so they're talking about the, the concrete and the asphalt and the uh, uh, all the city uh, material that, that doesn't permeate and allow for the water to get through. But also, as I said, were, there were drought conditions. So, uh, you know, when the soil gets dried up like that, like it doesn't soak up as well. So that is also something to consider. So it's just runoff. It all, it's all runoff and then it pulls up and like, because uh, some of these um, highways that like, it's like a, a uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a, I don't know. It just turns into a river because it's like below the ground level, either a tunnel or like a ravine. I guess I, I don't know how to properly characterize it, but um, yeah, it, it's uh, yeah. I mean, people got stuck out there. They were just like sitting, and then all of a sudden, like all this water rose up, and then they have to get rescued in like five feet of water. It's crazy, 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 right? And people were just chilling out in their apartments and their homes, and they were just getting flooded out. But yeah, crazy what happened. And also airport delays, and uh, yeah, the, the the city was just like uh, just paralyzed. And uh, over thirty six thousand customers were without power 
So again, this sort of stuff uh, affects, you know, the infrastructure. I mean, you know, uh, I had like a, a flash flooding warning not too long ago, and like, I, I like, I made sure that I had everything. You know, I had my water in order in case the power went out, because like the area that I live in can can get a blackout from heavy rain. So it's like, the part of the reason why I have my prepping and why I do the things that I do is because the grid system out here is very weak, and you know, an afternoon of hard rains can knock out the power for like a day almost, like. That happened not too long ago, so that's just something that I have to be ready for. And in extension, now I have to be ready for like hurricanes and blizzards. Um, yeah, who knows what this winter is going to be like? Uh, maybe we might get another blizzard, which is uh, we're not ready for, and I have to make sure that my supplies are ready for that. So, yeah, all right, so that is Dallas, and they're flooding there, and you know, I'm still keeping an eye out for hurricane activity actually not too long ago we had a system a low pressure system that like had like the the, the rotation of a hurricane so like if it had stayed in the gulf a bit longer it could have turned into a, a tropical storm so actually let me look let me look real quick in the radar to see if there's any activity because again you know um uh, we could still get hurricane man. It's not done because like the hurricane season goes into November now. So Yeah, so who knows I see some Clusters So we could get something in the next week or so who knows Yeah, there's some activity off the Yucatan Peninsula. So yeah, I mean you just gotta keep an eye out. I mean the Gulf of Mexico is very warm, so it's uh, it's bound to happen, right? So we're going to have to wait for that. But I'm going to talk at least, though, just other uh, natural events occurring. And, uh, you know, uh, particularly in Europe, uh, they're in the midst of a drought. And they're saying it's the worst drought in 500 or five centuries or 500 years. So uh, pointing out how rivers are drying up, the Rhine, the Danube. Uh, they're at record, like low, low, low levels, you know, record levels. Um, and also in France, uh, their uh, longest river, the Loire, I hope I'm saying that right, Loire. <laughs> um, actually, hold on. Let me get the Google Translate real quick. Loire, <laughs> the Loire River, um, right, the, it's like basically just dried up. And you know, that's the thing with Europe too, like we have records, and so something like this has never been recorded, this river drying up. So like, this is the first time ever in recorded history that this is happening, all right? <laughs> and you know, because if, if something like this happened in the medieval period, like it would have caused a catastrophic famine i mean like there were um there were i was reading something about uh, these stones in germany that have these markings and effectively what it is is that these the, the markings are like a warning so like if they're saying like they're saying like oh if you see me you should cry because 
that means that it's going to be a particularly bad uh, harvest harvesting season. So it kind of just shows that the situation that we're at. It's so interesting when you see like uh, markings or warnings from the past that are just like prophetic almost. Like th this reminds me of a story also um, in the Jap Japan uh, earthquake in 2011 that uh, there was like a stone marker effectively saying uh, do not build homes below this stone. <laughs> and what a surprise, all the houses below that uh, were wiped out by the, by the tsunami. So it's like people know they, they, they leave something behind for a reason. So it's like, hey, like don't build there. And then people build. And it gets wiped out. <laughs> it's just, yeah. But, you know, this sort of thing with um, the rivers drying up and the, the stones talking about, you know, if you, know, if you see me, uh, you should cry because uh, you're going to lose a lot of food. Like, yeah. So, yeah, the Loire had dried up. And uh, this has not been recorded before. Uh, also, rivers in Italy, uh, the Danube, the Rhine. And uh, they're also talking about uh, the Yangtze as well. So this is not just Europe. Uh, the, this is happening everywhere. Uh, the, the Colorado River is drying up as well. Like, it, this is everywhere. Yeah, we're we're, we're going to have droughts everywhere. Um, so, right. And I'm reading um, from thefederal.com. And they're talking about how... Because, I mean, these, um, these rivers, they're like highways, basically. I mean, they, they ship... All the time, you know, they they move and transport uh, material uh, resources, and so as these river, you know, the water levels drop, they have to uh, lighten their load so that way they don't, you know, uh, basically like sink into the the water too much, because again, like the water levels are so low that they can run aground, and yeah, this is uh again, you know, it's like. Oh, white the the human costs. Okay, who pays attention to that? Wait, it's disrupting trade. Oh man, now we got to get on this. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. So they're you know reading um, from uh, United Nations reports on droughts because droughts are going to become more frequent. Uh, they're going to affect uh, water security, uh, displacement of folks, uh, people. Like, uh, yeah. So they're this human report is saying that. More than 2.3 billion people are facing water stress, and almost 160 million children are exposed to severe and prolonged droughts. Since 2000, the number and duration of droughts have, has risen by 29%. UN Convention to Combat Certification Executive Secretary Ibrahim Thiwa, or Thiwa, uh, Ibrahim Thiwa, Thiwa yeah, I can't say that, sorry, uh, said that the figures, the facts and figures, of this publication all point in the same direction an upward trajectory in the duration of drought and the severity of impacts not only affecting human societies but also the ecological systems upon which the survival of all life depends including that of our own species continuing since 2000 the number and duration of droughts has risen by 29 percent from 1970 to 2019 weather Climate and water ha water hazards accounted for 50% of disasters and 45% of disaster-related deaths, mostly in developing countries. Droughts represent 15% of natural disasters, but take 
the largest human toll, approximately 650,000 deaths from 1970 to 2019. From 1999 or 1998 to 2017, droughts caused global economic losses of roughly 124 billion U.S. dollars. Again, we gotta we gotta put it in the dollar amount, okay? Because that's what people pay attention to, uh, right? So uh, these are the estimates that they have. So by 2030, an estimated 700 million people will be at risk of being displaced by drought. By 2040, an estimated one in four children will live in areas with extreme water shortage. By 2050, droughts may affect over three quarters of the world's population, and an estimated 4.8 to 5.7 billion people will live in areas that are water scarce for at least one month each year, up from 3.6 billion today. And up to 20, 216 million people uh, could be forced to migrate by 2050, largely due to drought in combination with other factors, including water scarcity, declining pro crop productivity, sea level rise, and over, uh, overpopulation. So, yeah, it's going to get ugly, just to say the least. Uh, it's going to get really bad and yeah it's just man like it's really like horrific to think about the the level that the west is going to go to because again they're saying that developing that people in developing countries are going to flee to the developed world because the developed world has all the resources the resources that they exploited from the global south but uh yeah, it's just, it's going to get ugly. That's all I have to say there. It's going to get really ugly. And of course, though, it's going to be all these black and brown people moving into white areas. And uh, that's going to uh, really scare white folks because Lord knows they don't want to mix with, you know, they, want, they don't want to get that, you know, gene pool dirty. Uh, yeah, man, <laughs> it's crazy, crazy what's going to happen. So, so that's that with the, the droughts that are occurring in Europe. Um, also, just another interesting story that's happening because uh, the water levels are decreasing to such a point where uh, the relics of World War II, uh, sunken ships in the Danube River, Danube River, are being revealed, and like they still have explosives and such. Like it, this is just like I read somewhere like this is quite the metaphor, isn't it? <laughs> like a you know climate catastrophe uh, unearthing uh, this you know ideology uh dangerous and brutal ideology but right there they're talking about in serbia along the danube river uh they have uh these uh hulks of you know dozens they're saying of explosive laden german warships uh sunk during the war uh yeah this is from the nazi germany's uh, black sea fleet uh, as they were retreating from the advance of the soviet union um yeah, and I mean, still like the, yeah, because the Danube River is like a serious body of water. Like I was watching a documentary about it, and it's like it's a, like at some points it's like an ocean. Like that's how like big it is. It really is like uh, it. I would like to you know they have like the Viking cruise, like uh, you know river cruise, uh, which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to, to do. Of course, I have my uh, res reservations about cruise ships, but. It would be nice to like just travel up the Danube and uh, just sightsee and such. But anyway, um, right. So, uh, yeah, they're saying here that the water levels have gotten to such a you know have gotten so low that 
the Serbian government has to like dredge. So basically they have to dig up the, you know, sediment so that way they can like create shipping lanes so that way like the, the ships don't run aground. Yeah, it's uh it's pretty serious. And uh, you know, the, the Serbian government they're um they're offering uh funds to uh, remove these ships and also these explosives. So I'm I'm, I'm curious if like there's going to be a German company uh, that's going to take up because I mean like it's their ships so they gotta they they should feel obligated to to get rid of it. Um, and I mean Germany has like pretty like they have expert bomb uh, disposal uh, units because I mean like they still they find bombs like today still like they have to like like sometimes like they have to like. They can't move it, so they'll just like explode it in a city block. Like, yeah, so you know, they have experts for this sort of thing. So hopefully they take up that. But that's um the droughts that they're dealing with and you know, other natural phenomena that I've been talking about. And so before I wrap this up, this uh, podcast up, I wanted to talk also about because uh, I've uh, mentioned in passing monkeypox, uh, this new uh pandemic that we're dealing with that people are just kind of like uh, again like you know some people they're just like the they they don't like bad news so it's like yeah i get it you know it's important but i still need to live my life you know so and then they get sick what a surprise so right um and again this is not me because they're talking about this uh, specific case with the man who went to a music festival so it's not to say that like People who get sick have it coming. It's just the attitude of it, you know. Because if you're if you're taking your measures in order and then you still get sick somehow, well, at least you were trying, okay. At least you're you know doing your best and uh, nothing is 100. Uh, the the only reason really I've been able to avoid getting sick is because I completely isolate myself. Uh, I don't go out. <laughs> like I'm I have like one lecture class and I'm like man should i go and like wear a mask or you know it's like there's so many considerations just for this one class and again like yeah it, like if i wear my mask are people going to be put off by that oh man like yeah I, who knows so it's like yeah it's an internal debate i'm gonna have to because i have to go tomorrow to class and have to see but yeah <laughs> but uh talking at least with this um specific case you no know, cuz the they're they're spreading this idea that uh, monkeypox is a sexually transmitted disease now it can be spread through sexual activity but it is not a sexual uh, disease so they're talking about how uh, this uh, man he went to a uh, a music festival and of course there were you know he was dancing and just you know partying and such um, and like what they're saying is that nobody was, uh, you know, visibly, uh, infected. Yeah. Nobody was really visibly infected. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like, just, just like slightly brushing up on somebody could get you infected. Like it, it really, yeah. Uh, it spread, uh, it can spread uh, skin to skin, what they're saying, uh, as well as intimate sexual activity. Uh, hugging massages uh, I mean yeah so yeah they're, they're just making comments about this but you know 
uh, I was talking about uh, teachers, right, having to deal with everything that's going on and monkeypox in schools with these kids. Man, like I, I would be, I'd be terrified. Like, holy shit! <laughs> like, kids are like they're walking petri dishes, man. Like, oh my god! And yeah, they have been finding uh, pediatric cases of monkeypox and like even like uh, like really like conservative alt right folks like they're using that as like pretext to say ah well you see because if because you know the, they're trying to spread this idea that it's a sexually transmitted disease gay sexually transmitted disease so uh, if a kid gets it that means that that kid got raped and we have to like so there's already that fear mongering that's happening so again man like and this is just the beginning when it comes to these infectious diseases like we like this, we haven't even gotten started like for real like it's gonna get worse so yeah <laughs> so that's just something to keep an eye on with uh, just our uh, pandemics that we're going to deal with and have to deal with and it's going to be a, a strain on our healthcare system our hospital systems and yeah man like it's a pretty dangerous time it really is uh, a lot can happen uh, you know I mean millions of people have gotten sick from this uh, from COVID and uh, this is like a serious breakout again like the United States in uh, tradition where we have the largest share of now we have the largest share of monkeypox infections we have the largest share of uh, covid pan, uh, infections covid deaths so yeah it's going to get bad this is going to get uh, really bad out here cuz the people just they live in alternate reality they they just oh no i'm invincible i'm not going to get sick uh, you're like, dude, seriously, man, like a, a zombie apocalypse out here would like, yeah, it, it's just so crazy. Like people would say, like there are people who are seriously walking out with the blisters, the, the monkeypox blisters, and they're just going about their life. Uh, like, dude, like, and you know, like oh, when I think about working out at gyms, it's like, fuck, like <laughs> I have to wipe down everything. Like I, this is why I like to work out at home and, you know, in my uh, space. Although, like, I only have, like, dumbbells, so it's, main, it's mainly, like, calisthenic work, but, like, it's just, like, I, I have to, like, really seclude myself because it's just, you don't know if you're going to get sick. And then people, of course, are going to say you're a germaphobe, but it's like, bro, uh, like, none of you took this seriously, and what a surprise. Like, my whole family got sick from this. <laughs> and, of course, they have this idea that, like, Oh, well, it's just like, it's flu-like symptoms, okay? But but it's not the flu, okay? If it was the flu, we would call it the flu, but it's not the flu. COVID is going to have very different effects on our, our bodies, our DNA. Uh, already, like, cognitive decline is a very real thing now. Uh, brain fog. Like, dude, like, I could not imagine, like, having to deal with long COVID. That, that must suck. Like, some people are seriously, like, it's already, like, been like years like is there, like this pandemic has already been going on for like uh, three years and people who got sick at the start of it like they're not fully recovered because they're, they're struggling with this uh, terminal it's like a terminal disease and they've been infected their their dna has been uh, affected oh no but you see vaccinations and your mrna that's gonna not that it's like stop okay i don't like like <laughs> i made an announcement on my on my Twitter, because like some people were like, 
oh, you're not backing the science. You're you're just a sheep. And it's, I'm just like, you know what? If you're anti-vax, please don't follow me. Because that's like one thing that I'm not going to touch, okay? Because I take my shots. Nothing has happened to me, okay? So that's just what I'm going to do. Like, there were some people that I, like, I, I was, like, acquainted with, like, you know, acquainted with talking and about the vaccination. And even they were, like, talking about their apprehension. So I'm like, this propaganda, this anti-vax propaganda has permeated to such a degree where, like, it's, like, when there's, like, a real serious disease that, like, kills, like, say, like, a quarter of uh it's uh infections like it's like we're fucked that's all i have to say i mean we already got we got hit pretty hard with covid and then something is going to come that's really going to mess us up and that's going to be it (laughs) so we have too much right now again i was talking about civil war but it's like just complete and utter collapse and breakdown because we have these economic issues that are drowning workers we have these political uh you know extremism uh calls for violence uh this uh just i mean again like i have zero respect for conservatives or republicans i'm just being flat out i don't i don't have any respect for them and and so it's like a complete divide uh and you know gun sales through the roof uh racial tensions you know white people being replaced and that scares them so it's just like all these facets and all these all these things are adding up and we're truly reaching a breaking point so it's just a matter of when i mean hell like this last election people were getting shot kyle rittenhouse i mean there was a, that shooting um in portland with the trump support like people like the violence is already here okay so the war is already started so it's not like you know yeah <laughs> anyway man uh, you know i i'm i pretty much said all i need to say so i'm gonna have to wrap up the show for now um and yeah i mean you know Moving forward, because I'm going to have to deal with school, uh, work, and, you know, just other stuff that I want to put online. Uh, it's going to be a balance. It's going to be a balance. So I'm going to try at least to get out an episode of a month for the podcast. Like I also said, I want to do some uh, Let's Plays, you know, gaming, whatever, uh, playing Fallout New Vegas. Uh, and, you know, for since, you know, I'm a, a apocalypse-related, you know, uh, show, the plan is to play apocalypse games so i think Fallout new vegas would be a good start but definitely you know check out my youtube channel for that playthrough and uh yeah i'll just stay updated with other world events that are happening but i appreciate y'all listening in, listening in and uh yeah so thank you for your time